Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just a reminder to give us a call on the buzz line. We were just speaking to Peter Meisner of ABC Vancouver Councilor. Uh, the city of Vancouver is proposing a 7.6% property tax increase for 2024. Uh, that is lower than the 10.7% uh, hike from last year. But, uh, you know, that's well past 18% over two years. I never thought I'd expect that from a sort of a free enterprise civic uh, government. But there you go. Uh, the sign of the times. would love to get your thoughts on what you think they should be doing in regards to moving forward. There's some things that the city's involved when it comes to civic business that some would say, well, that's not your core competence. One of them is uh, just daycare, uh, and I wouldn't want to see daycare just gone. We got to find resources for daycare because it's a, it's a vital for our economy and for people to to to, to do what they do every day. Uh, but there's lots of stuff that the city still does that probably isn't their core business, and so there's going to be some challenges uh, moving forward because I just can't see three years of let's say even ten percent, seven percent. Let's say I'm just saying six percent for 2025. That's a significant increase for those living in the city of Vancouver when it comes to to, to property tax. So give us a call on the buzz line 604-331-2899. Also want you to know that the mayor of uh, Penticton will be joining us at 5.30 today. Uh, the finance minister and the housing minister uh, announced that uh, there would be they would be expanding the speculation vacancy tax to 13 municipalities, including Oakland, the Okanagan and Vancouver Island. So think um, uh, communities like Qualicum and Parksville uh, in, in on the island, and including Cumberland, Comox, and Courtney as well, Kamloops and Salmon Arm, but also Coldstream, Vernon, Summerland, and Penticton as well. Uh, the mayor will be joining us at 5:30 to express his concerns on this. Uh, speculation vacancy tax as well. And also want you to note the Honourable Sean Fraser, the Federal Minister of Housing, will be joining us tomorrow on the show as well to talk about uh, what the federal government hopes to do. And of course, as you know, they said they were going to get rid of the GST on housing to build rental housing. And of course, uh, he's not happy with uh, the Metro Vancouver board where they are charging the development cost charges. They're adding or adding to the development cost charges. So those costs are going up and the minister isn't happy about that. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So lots of stuff in and around housing. Well, our next guest knows a few things about the issue of housing and demographics. Andy Yen is an urban planner and adjunct professor at Simon Fraser University. Uh, he has a, has a new study that uh, finds that the, the new, the new uh, BCNDP density housing plan, where of course they want to increase density around transit stations, could lead to more rent evictions. Uh, and we've seen this, to a certain degree some of that in and around Metrotown and Burnaby. Think about the last municipal election or two elections ago uh, with Derek Corrigan. He he uh, received a lot of bad press, a lot of people concerned about rent evictions in and around the metro town area. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Chaz. So walk me through, what are the, what are the concerns that you are seeing in regards to uh, this plan by the NDP to, of course, increase density in and around transit stations, but what it could potentially do as well? Well, my overall concerns are just really do people understand what is actually the kind of current conditions around the stations that I think that the question isn't necessarily an if or should question, but a how. 
and really looking at the actual demographics and the populations living around these stations, it was kind of surprising to find out that 50% of the households living within these station areas are renters, that they themselves are renters that, uh, that 20%, one in five of those households living in the transitory development are living in core housing need. And I think that just really highlights the importance and the sensitivities of the kind of developments that uh, could or should happen around these transit-oriented development areas. So, uh, so you're talking about these sort of three-story buildings, apartment blocks? Very much so. It's the three-story or even sometimes taller buildings that uh, I think certainly provide, I think, a sizable amount of purpose-built, uh, purpose-built rental housing in the in 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 Vancouver, but yet at the same time are also prime candidates for redevelopment. And really, how should that redevelopment occur with hopefully a minimization of displacement? Mm-hmm. So uh, those who are just joining us, of course, uh, Housing Minister of Ikela introduced legislation. Uh, Earlier this month, that would this month basically forces municipalities to approve high-rise buildings of up to 20 stories within 800 meters of a rapid transit station within 400 meters of a bus exchange. Um, what do you think can be done here in this case? I mean, when people hear the announcements that are made by the housing ministers, say, "Well, that's a good idea. We should have uh, uh, you know 20-story buildings in and around rapid transit uh, uh, stations and 400 meters of a, of, a, of a large bus exchange, and you know that is the right thing to do." What would you like to see done to somehow deal with this issue where people are aren't uh, renovicted? Well, I think it's looking at very specifically what kind of buildings could these 20-story buildings be? Should they say perhaps? favor those that are trying to build purpose-built rental uh, in terms of like hearing developers struggle in terms of making the numbers work, that this is perhaps the opportunity to allow make those numbers work in terms of the provision of purpose-built rental. Um, is it an opportunity to, to really develop greater amounts of non-market housing? That, uh, that you can also have in terms of these greater densities, that I think that before you just only talk about heightened densities, it's really an opportunity to actually talk about the further details of what kinds of housing we're going to need as a region that's growing. Hmm. Uh, how have other re- cities and regions dealt with an issue like this? Well, I think that it's, it's, it's really one that is haunting any number of regions across the country and actually around the world. And I think that a lot of it has been a combination of supply, demand and finance measures that I think that in, in I think we're learning from places like Singapore, really, that's dealing with really uh, the terms of, of, of taxation in terms of really those that are domestic or foreign that own multiple properties, uh, really the role of encouraging the kinds of developments that really are well-sized for families and for young families, that it really is, I think, ensuring that you have complete communities around, around, around stations through which um, minimize the kinds of, of, of kind of sprawl that you have. So I think that it's, it depends on which community that you're talking about and then also the very unique conditions that we find in British Columbia. Hmm. Um, the announcement today with the speculation tax, uh, we've talked about density around SkyTrain stations. We've got um, government clamping down on short-term rentals. You've got government that uh, has has legislated, um, you know, secondary suites throughout this province, including laneway homes as well. Uh, do you think this this government, the provincial government, maybe the federal federal government as well, do you think we're moving too quickly? We and one can certainly accuse us of not doing enough ten years ago. Are we moving too fast now? Well, 
I mean, the issue is not necessarily one of speed, but then one of an open dialogue with local municipalities as well as with regional governments in terms of making sure that this new housing is supported. And we're not only talking about parks or schools or libraries. We're talking about the ability to flush toilets, that we're talking about physical infrastructure for which needs to also be co-developed at the same time in order to really assure that there is a, a, a dependability upon our infrastructure that we need to have communities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's been talk that if, if you know, if you are going to put in a 20 story building and some of these, uh, you know, two or three story uh, apartments are torn down, that the developer should at the very least uh, provide some sort of housing for these individuals temporarily and give these people access to those rentals once they are built. Uh, do, do you think that is going to be the norm if it does move forward? I think that that's it's what was um, what how some folks are talking about that type of tenant renter protection. I think that that is I think some that it, it's an open discussion for communities that are going to be um, affected by the development of this transit oriented development area policy. And I think that this is really one that is going to be talked about. I think within the municip- particular municipalities, but then I think it's also the responsibility of the provincial of the provincial government that with the provincial government making these types of demands in terms of the develop in terms of height density, they need to also provide the supports. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that's, and it supports for infrastructure. It supports to even ensure that there's, the, there's enough planners and, and, and plan checkers and, and inspectors to actually make this development happen. Mm-hmm. So in the case of, the, you know, as you, your, your core thesis here is that uh, this could be transit oriented displacement uh, beyond just being transit oriented development this could be displacement that the government has to do you think that fed provincial government has to legislate protection so these renters are not displaced under the guise of building greater density instead they get they get booted out or even if they are temporarily moved out they'll come back to something that's a lot more expensive than, than what they're paying that this actually has to be legislated to provide protection for renters I think that that's one of the uh, potential unintended consequences, and that is one of the bigger challenges. It's just simply the cost of building and and what gets built are they the are they adequate in terms of replacing what is already there? And really, what would that plan and strategy look like? In, I mean, it, it's when, when it comes into details. I, I think that part of this is, I think, understanding that there are that this this is where you don't need a chainsaw; you need a scalpel. Mm-hmm. And that really this type of blanket rezoning needs to understand how different communities have developed and to work within these differences, but yet at the same time provide, I think, the, the end result, the, the, the end standards in terms of the provision of affordable housing. Andy, as always, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure, Jazz.